0: Welcome to Experts Only Podcast, sponsored by Clean Capital. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Each week, we explore the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance with leaders across the industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to Experts Only. I'm your host, John Powers. We have a little bit of a different episode this week. Instead of our standard uh, one-on-one conversation, we're actually talking with Lisa Jacobson, who's the president of the Business Council for Sustainable Energy, and Ethan Zindler, who heads the Americas for Bloomberg NEF. And we're going to talk about their annual Sustainable Energy in America Factbook. This is the seventh year they've produced it. Uh, The Factbook provides amazing, up-to-date, and accurate market intelligence. It's been a leading resource for folks in the industry. And our dialogue is going to talk a little bit about the history of the fact book and how they started doing it, but talk about some of the trends that we're seeing. So, you know, bear with us as we're trying our first uh, multiple guest interview, but I appreciate uh, your interest and look forward to the conversation. Lisa and Ethan, thank you so much for joining us here at Experts Only Podcast. It's great to have you back on the show.
1: It is great to be Thanks. here again. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having us. So Lisa, I want to start off with the, the Business Council for Sustainable Energy. And it'd be great if you could just talk for a second about your role in the market and some of the work the BCSC does.
1: Sure. Well, the Business Council for Sustainable Energy, it's hard to believe we are nearly, nearly 30 years strong wow. as a coalition. Yes, <laughs> we represent a very broad set of energy industry players with both North American and, and global markets. Our core areas have focused, from an industry perspective, have been supply side and demand side energy efficiency, uh, the broad portfolio of renewable energy technologies, and the natural gas industries. And when the council was formed in the early 1990s, this portfolio of efficiency, natural gas, renewable energy was really emerging as the growth sectors of the U.S. energy economy, and you know. We've seen tremendous growth in all areas and a continued evolving marketplace. And the BCSE's role is to educate and advocate on policies that will hopefully continue that accelerated market growth.
0: Thanks, and Ethan. I, you know, most folks are familiar with the with Bloomberg New Energy Finance. If you follow a lot of uh, folks in the industry's Twitter accounts, are constantly putting out uh, the great data that you guys are working on. But you lead the Americas for for BNEF. Can you talk a little bit about the role of BNEF? And it, there's a, pre, a great episode in an earlier podcast that you know you mentioned, something I quote all the time, that you've been around and seen the industry mature from folks walking around the, uh, with ponytails to people in business suits. Uh, a lot of the amazing information that, that's feeding the industry today comes from the work you all do. So Could you just talk a little bit about the work?
2: Thanks. Uh, yeah. And thanks for having, having me back. Um, so, so yeah, uh, Bloomberg NEF, as we're now called, we, we were no longer, we've dropped the new energy finance. We're sort of like oh. IBM, or I would say on a good day, we're like IBM and maybe on a bad day, we're, we're kind of like KFC, but it's three letters. <laughs> right? um, and, but Bloomberg NEF, and and actually that's a reflection of the fact that, you know, the research we do is not, not just energy and finance anymore, but we actually are also starting to do some additional research into other areas around sustainability, including around materials and technologies that we consider to be part of a larger so-called circular um, economy. Um, But as you mentioned, you know, our history and our heritage has been that we started off life as a renewable energy research firm, essentially a boutique research firm about 15 years ago, started in the apartment uh, of, uh, of our founder, Michael Liebreich. Uh, and then eventually we grew and were bought by Bloomberg, and now we are known as Bloomberg NEF, and we're essentially the energy markets research division of Bloomberg, doing doing research very specifically on sort of, uh, microeconomic and macroeconomic factors. Um, we don't do like public equities research, but we focus on things like, you know, what the price of a wind turbine should be or a levelized right. costs of electricity, things like that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to sort of step back and you know, when most people, uh, in, in their marriage, the re- seven years is a, uh, important point in a, in a, in a marriage, it's when you get your copper gift and, you know, for most people it's sort of make break, break, or break, break, well, this is the seventh, uh, year of the marriage between, uh, Bloomberg NEF and BCSE. Can you, Lisa, I'd love you to talk a little about the history. Like how did this come about? And, you know, I will, I do want to talk about the trends you guys have seen, but you know, how did this marriage sort of get started?
1: Well, first of all, very happy to be seven years strong in this partnership. (laughs) Um, It is going well, and I think, you know, one of the The themes about a good marriage and a good working relationship is good communication and a very collaborative working relationship. And I think that's what started this project and why it continues to thrive. And I I also think that at the moment in time when we decided to do this work, it was right on the cusp of being able to trace with data a lot of these changes, which we knew were happening, but they weren't really evident in a multi-year fashion. So... I think, you know, the BCSE Board of Directors and Ethan really, you know, could see that there was something very significant happening. And the project always, you know, kind of is ahead of the curve in a number of areas. But it certainly was in terms of trying to knit together all the trends that are happening in U.S. energy markets in a quantitative way in basically as close to real time as you can get it. But just to share the little anecdote of how the project was started. You know, when the BCSE was about to turn 20 years strong, we invited Ethan Zindler, who we had been working with when it was just uh, New Energy Finance, before it was acquired by Bloomberg, to talk about renewable energy and energy efficiency market data. And we had a very robust conversation, and it was clear across the table that while there were some industries where there was very good data, across the board, there were gaps you know, certainly for the industries that the BCSE represents. And then there were very few that, as I said, were really putting it together in a smart way that was factually oriented. And this project uh, has been a collaboration. I know I learn every year. I know our members learn. And hopefully our key audiences learn, which are policymakers, um, you know, also media and others that are following, you know, the energy and environmental arenas.
0: So Ethan, when you guys started this seven years ago, you really did establish almost like a baseline of where you know folks can start to measure the the industry f- from and you know what before we get into sort of the thousand and nineteen report you know what trends have you seen over the last seven years as, as the data becomes better and more defined and obviously the 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 market has matured and you know uh, sustainable energy is no longer an alternative energy you know it's a mainstream Energy. So, what what are the trends that you've seen over the last seven years?
2: So, um, I mean, just to sort of somewhat echo what Lisa was saying. I mean, when we first started doing this, I think the the rationale was that there was a a dearth of facts, uh, or let's put it this way, there was a dearth of of, infra- of of facts put together in a very timely and simple manner that people could relate to. Um, and uh, and I also I think always tried to make the argument that. If you were looking at information about the clean energy sector that was, let's say, any more than 12 months old, it was was quite quite dated. In fact, if it right. was even you could argue even more than three months old, it was dated. Given how much we were seeing um, photovoltaic prices move around, um, so so that you know that was sort of the uh, one of the initial rationales here was that, in, particularly in the context of Washington, where we both are, is to 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 try and make sure that there were the right Set of facts on the table, easily accessible to folks to understand, so they could make good policy decisions, whatever those would be, um, based on what we would have to say. Um, and over the seven years, you know, I think we as BNEF have, have uh, really benefited enormously from working with with Lisa and her team because we we learn new things every year from them um, and from her her members and the the coalition. Um, you know, everything from understanding about biomass build or lack thereof and um, you know, making sure that we get it right on talking about hydro generation versus capacity, things like that, that, um, you know, that that uh, her team is, uh, and, and again, affiliates are always great about sort of working with us on and helping us also to think about new issues um, and new technologies that we wouldn't necessarily have on our radar. So, um, you know, it's been very, uh, very symbiotic in that way.
0: It's, it's probably hard to be surprised now as, you know, you've seen the data and the trends moving in in a pretty clear direction in the last few years, but is there anything before the 2019, you guys published the 2019 report that really surprised
1: you? Yes, actually. Um, You know, one of the things that I talk about most when I'm doing kind of big takeaways for the fact book and 2019's issue in particular, and Ethan will correct me if I oversimplify or I get this wrong, but I mean, the whole activity of the corporate space is right. making very significant strides, not just for renewables, but, you know, this, this little statistic is, or big statistic, I should say, relates to renewables. But basically, if you look at the deployment and the build across all renewable technologies in 2018, and you match that to the corporate pledges, And the gigawatts of corporate pledges that were signed in 2018. Now, of course, these projects, as you know very well, don't happen in the same year, but it basically represents half of the build. So the corporate market is putting a very strong forward signal here for the cost and other co-benefits of renewable energy. So that definitely surprised me. I think that is a very significant, uh, again, forward-looking benchmark. But what do you think, Ethan?
2: No, I think that I mean, I think that that seems to be a, a growing space. and John, you're probably seeing this too, and your and your 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 world in developing projects that 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 seems to be a real source of demand and the amount of pledges that have been made on clean energy under the r e one hundred uh, which right. has been organized uh, and and also there's increasing number of carbon pledges as well, which are, I think are going to have some effect on that. Um, I think has been very positive, and um, you know that market's continued to grow. I would say in terms of one other thing uh, on on sort of downside of things that surprised us, at least surprised me a little bit last year was that even though we are seeing the actual power sector um, you know more, more broadly decarbonize as we move more uh, towards towards uh, renewables and natural gas and um, uh, and away from from coal, which it continued to decline last year. Um, actual emissions kind of ticked up last year, and that that was definitely not a that that was a little bit of a surprise, and definitely not you know not, not a happy surprise either. Yeah. Um, it's re- reflective of of the fact that, uh, you, you, if you want to look at it very optimistically, you could say, well, it's because you know the economy really picked up. Um, but there were but you know there were multiple reasons that are kind of hard to parse out. But it, from an emissions perspective, it's definitely not you know not great.
0: Oh, it's a tough story, right? For all the work we're putting into. Reduction that we're seeing, that we saw a tick up. I agree that that shocked me. I'm, I do want to go back. Let's go back to the corporate PPAs here for a second. I was I was going to come back to this later, but I, it, for, it is an important part of what we do at Clean Capital for sure. But I also think there's a, you know there's an argument be had that they are also because of their commitments, because of the demand that they're creating, they're also creating a lot of the policy drivers that we're seeing change happen at the state levels right now. When you've got big players like Amazon and Google and and, and others who go into a state like Virginia and refuse to bring their operations until they can contract for renewables. And then you've got the big players in places like Richmond who may have been hesitant to move in before, want, want, those, want those businesses. And, you know, as much as the advocates could make the case, you know, when, when you've got jobs in the line, uh, it, it's helped push some of those policies ahead, I know BCSE Lisa does a lot of advocacy work. Are you seeing more of the corporations sort of at the state level playing a role?
1: Yes, and actually the 2019 fact book has new data to track this. So we have a chart where we have a map of you know all states that have some type of window in some kind right. of. Green tariff, all different shapes and forms, and it notes appropriately that some of them work quite well and others you know may still need some improvements. but you know that map wouldn't have existed five, six years ago, and it wouldn't have existed without these large um, corporate players discussing what they need in terms of their energy management and energy choices and pushing through some very challenging marketplaces. And you know I think as I look forward, you know, having 50 different ways to procure clean energy is is not going to be the most efficient. So right. how do we learn and evolve as time goes by? I'm not suggesting there needs to be like a federal, one federal way. I think all of these things really do need to have local benefits. And so they might need to be adjusted to work in that environment. But what we are seeing, I think, is a sea change, especially in states where there's been more resistance in the past uh, to seeing that they, this is something they need to address and at least try to to meet halfway, you know the the corporates or others that are asking for more clean energy. So uh, it's a little messy right now. <laughs> uh, it may need you know a good number of years to sort itself out, but definitely more states are open to it. And the fact that you know the corporate community in partnership with with other stakeholders are finally being able to make some headway in, in places that have been challenging is, is really important. And I would also say the cities, it's not just at the state level. A lot of times these breakthroughs are happening in large cities, which then can be a driver for right. things at the state level, or they just remain at the city level, but it, it's still a significant population.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting when you've got, uh, you know, a lot of the big corporations have the capacity to sort of follow all these policy moves. What the Factbook does well, and I think what BCSD does well, is provide uh, an insight for those that, that want to uh, better understand the, the constantly shifting right now policy game at the state level. I mean, you've got states like New York, where, where I sit, where they just had a massive new piece of climate legislation move forward. You've got what's happening today in Oregon, when literally you've got the governor trying to chase down the Senate uh, with police officers to bring them in back to vote. It's hard to track all the changes that are happening right now in the yep. states. The fact does a good job of you know, helping introduce people to those those options.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, we'll we'll certainly have for uh, not to get ahead of us, and assuming we do this again, which I think we are going to. You know, we'll have a lot of policy updates. I think into into this next year and more states. That we can sort of fill in um, as having you know supportive long-term rps in fact the number of states just with 100 um, percent clean energy goals is now you know covers a decent chunk of the map actually
0: absolutely so ethan i want to step out of the us for a second and t- you know across the some of the, the data and the, the report show that across the world wind and solar now present the least expensive options for for adding new power generation i mean i think if you went back even five years people we not sure this was ever going to happen. Can you talk a little bit about this development, and you know what does this mean for for business leaders, for investors, and for policymakers?
2: Well, I mean, I, I hope at the at the very least, it stops the conversation around "oh, we can't afford this," right? Um, and, oh, it's too expensive. I think um, you know it, it's funny, in fact, how quickly the conversation can switch. If you look closely at power markets, the the real threat isn't that these. Technologies are too expensive, it's that they're too cheap and that they're going to drive um, down wholesale power prices for other existing players. And so I think that's the new sort of fear of incumbents. Um, right. But it is ironic that after for years, you know, some of those same folks think, oh, we can't afford to do this. Now we hear complaints about, you know, how, how they're feeling threatened by these technologies. So, um, you know, I think things have definitely changed very quickly. Um, and I think when you, you do, you know, these technologies do have a meaningful impact on market prices. Uh, Once they reach some kind of real levels of penetration, as we're certainly seeing in California and in Texas and in other places as well. So uh, it's a really interesting time because, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like renewables are you know, as I've said many times, there's nothing alternative about this. Uh, And now as you enter the mainstream that you start to encounter the larger dynamics of the power markets overall and affect them uh, in really interesting ways.
0: Ethan, can you talk a little bit about too, you know, moving outside of just, I think a lot of folks culturally just assume wind and solar, right? When they talk about renewables, there's other things like, like biogas and biomass and waste of energy that's moving. But the report also really highlights an interesting continued growth in the natural gas industry, uh, which is now mm-hmm. the number one source of power in the US. Um, what yeah. did you guys see in sort of total investment and, and the growth in that space?
2: Well, I mean, you know, natural gas is uh, it, it is a rather incredible story. And if you look at the the amount of gas that the U.S. is producing that's been surging um, in record years that we've been seeing for production and for consumption of, of gas uh, in the last several years. And uh, actually, we're just about to put out a report um, tomorrow uh, talking about how we think Permian, um, gas from the Permian, again, that there's an enormous amount of it. Additional capacity um, to come uh, next year. Right. Uh, and if about half the generation that was added last year, about half of the uh, 40 gigawatts last year was, was gas. Uh, and, uh, and was one of the biggest years for, for build for gas uh, since about 2004, uh, 2004 or so. So, uh, I mean, look, the, the, uh, the, the, this shows no sign of abating. And um, in terms of cheap gas prices down in the 2 to $3 range, really, for, for, for quite some time. Uh, it will be interesting to see if other countries can sort of achieve their own natural gas uh, miracle. Um, you know, obviously, getting this gas to other places has costs, uh, right. and it's necessarily clear that everybody else is going to see that kind of uh, evolution. And in terms of our term, long-term forecast, which we actually put out last week, um, you know, we're, we're quite bullish about gas's role in the U.S. power sector longer term, much less bullish about its role in the power sectors of other countries around the world.
0: Thank you, Ethan. Lisa, for the, the you know the fact book is just that. it's a lot of phenomenal fact and data. Being in Washington, d c, where oftentimes uh, facts don't always matter. Uh, you guys are walking into conversations with a lot of evidence and a lot of meat behind your arguments when you talk about the growth of you know the clean energy jobs and energy efficiency jobs of our over three million people now, you know, the growth of uh, the investment, the growth of impact that it's having. You know, what do you find as the arguments that are most effective when you're trying to make the case in Washington?
1: Well, I think you need to have the facts because at a big picture macro level, there are still questions of, is this affordable? Is this reliable? Can I deploy when it needs to be? And, you know, I think you have to lay out the broad macro picture. But what really matters to policymakers is the local connection. And just having one or two employers come in and put a face that's real for a community, that's what's gonna open up more opportunities. Now, even if you, you know, can open up their an individual's mind to thinking about this as being a valuable economic contributor or energy contributor in their community, it doesn't mean they're gonna have the same point of view on what mechanisms we should use going forward. So, but I, I have seen in the last couple of years very dramatic changes in the way uh, people approach this information. And again, if you can pair it with a local business, um, you know, th- that's going to be extremely compelling.
2: I would just add that the the good news for us in the, here in the, the fax provision business is that the uh, demand for our product never goes down. Uh, they, <laughs> right. we, launched, we launched this seven years ago, and I think Lisa and I both felt like there was a lot of sort of misinformation out there, lack of information, I would argue sometimes even disinformation. Um, and then, um, you know, here we are in the Trump era uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a new term called alternative facts has, ar- has arisen uh, thanks to Kellyanne Conway. Yes. So the, the demand for, for, for real live uh, facts uh, has never been higher uh, thanks, to, thanks to events of the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and if I can just give you a, an example of that this year. So, the BCSE, in large part because of the Factbook project that we did with Bloomberg, uh, was invited to speak, uh, be a witness at the first hearing of the full Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee dealing with climate change and the power sector. And the reason why the council was invited, and uh, Ranking Member Manchin you know, asked for the URL like three times is because we had facts to offer. And so we were with a a very distinguished panel, but, you know, we had the facts and that's what they were looking for. They wanted to start the conversation anew based on facts. And, you know, Ethan too, and, and Bloomberg NEF have been also, you know, having a lot of conversations, have been testifying in Congress a great deal this year, because we have, you know, new Congress with many new members, and they're all trying to understand. uh, And they see energy, energy and resilience and the economic uh, conditions we're in as extremely important uh, areas of focus in in, in new ways. So, obviously, the environmental aspects and climate change have had a, a great deal more attention on the agenda, which is so... So welcome. And it's been very bipartisan. But I think the whole energy agenda, it's no longer it's acceptable to just assume you're going to lift a switch and there's going to be something there. You know, we need to understand and make sure that we cultivate the energy assets we have and that they're performing in different ways. So it requires more, more policymaker attention.
0: I just want to challenge our listeners to go to bcsc.org. You can get the facts book. It's, it's highlighted right on the homepage. But the thing that I think I love what you guys do with it, Lisa, is that you break it out into uh, a lot of you know, in, in, uh, info docs. You break it out into brochures. There's a lot of great digestible information uh, for those people who, who don't have the patience to read an entire report. And you know if you're listening and see this, share this with your local advocacy organizations so they know that it's there and they know how to access it and I know that Lisa and team are also willing to sort of dive into the states and and provide information that really can help us push uh, the policies we need to see implemented forward. So I'll ask this to both of you. I'm gonna start off with uh, with with Ethan when we come back here next year for your your bronze anniversary of the uh, of the report, the fact the fact <laughs> fact book, you know what do you expect to see? In the trends,
2: interesting question. I mean, I think that uh, there's definitely some scrambling going on, or let's say, I would say scrambling is too strong a term, but accelerated activity as we um, come up on the sort of unofficial but more important end of the tax credits for wind and solar. And I think right. that that's kind of that you're probably seeing a fair amount of, of of hurrying up activity. So I think that that's definitely something we'll we'll we'll, we'll probably highlight a bit. I would say that um, uh, the the continued growth of electric vehicles and the you know another record year, probably for EVs. Uh, I'm what I don't have a prediction on, and I'm very curious to see is what we're going to look like on um on electricity consumption and emissions, because I think first of all, what's going on exactly with the u s. economy is very much in question at the moment. And then second, uh, I, I know that the weather has been very hot in some parts of the country, but you know, as Lisa and I were saying before we joined the podcast, it's been a very lovely um June here in Washington, and, and right. sort of, I would say, absolutely cool in some places on the East Coast. So, um what that's meant exactly for emissions, I, I don't know. I, we don't, you know, we, we don't frankly track it month to month. So, uh, I think that's a big sort of question mark. And last year's number on emissions, you know, like I said, that was my surprise. So I. I hope to be surprised in a pleasant way with them going down this
0: year. Yeah, absolutely. I we all hope it goes down. <laughs> uh, about you, Lisa?
1: Oh, I actually that was what I was going to say. I think that was the biggest concern with the data that came out in 2019 was and trying to to unpack it. And you know, one year is very hard to really make any conclusions. I commend BNF for really being first out of the gate to make an attempt at looking at what was going on in buildings in terms of heating and cooling and you know kind of high heating days high cooling days which you know when you need more um power or energy to warm your home in the winter when there's extreme cold days or when you need more air conditioning when it's very very warm and thinking about that in the context of what we were seeing in the emissions trends in addition to you know kind of what does it mean um if our industrial activity increases and does that mean that you know, we no longer are decoupled our our, um, productivity with uh, emissions. Uh, You know, so we had a very long term, we go back 25 years, we have a very strong trend on energy productivity, but there was a deviation last year. And, you know, these are, I think we, you know, good news compounds good news, right? And we also work in the international context with the climate change negotiations globally. And, you know, we want to show that the U.S. is making progress. That will continue to create momentum in other countries that look to the U.S. politically, but also just from the economic choices we're making. If we're choosing more clean energy, they're thinking, well, you know what? I probably should, too. So there's just this dynamic set of impacts um, that are not necessarily always quantitative, but they can feed off of data trends. So I, I, not only is it disturbing you know, just towards meeting our climate goals, but I think there's just a, a feedback mechanism. If we are not on track to continue to make significant emissions reductions nationally, um, that, that's a big concern. And then, obviously, Uh-oh. we need to understand why.
2: Right. right. If, I could, if I could add one other thing, I mean, I would yeah. say that um, yeah. on a positive note to, to what we were talking about earlier, um, and I don't know exactly how one would specifically quantify this, but this is... I would say it's probably shaping up to be the best year ever in terms of um, state-level policymaking and support of clean energy. I mean, we're halfway through, yeah, and those 100% goals that we've been seeing and the efforts. Um, you know, the, the last year's election there was a great deal of publicity around, you know, the Democrats taking control of um, the House of, U.S. House of Representatives. But, but I think arguably the far more meaningful change was the changes that we saw at the state legislative le- uh, level. Uh, and the governorships, because those are really manifesting themselves in in a great deal of of change. And so, again, I don't know how you measure it specifically, but, you know, by the time this year is over, sounds like we'll have half a dozen states or more with 100 percent clean energy goals uh, and a lot of state. And who knows what's going to happen in Virginia in the elections this fall. So a lot of things moving in the right direction uh, on that front, for sure
0: yeah I've, I've been actually arguing that we're at a sort of unique climate moment where the national perception is 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 there, and, and the local folks that are witnessing it firsthand are are really starting to act, and you know hopefully we can get washington uh, Washington caught back up here uh, in, in the future i, I, I do want to ask I usually have a, it's a pretty standard final question, but I'm going I'm to tweak it this time, Ethan, because the World Cup's going on. I know you've covered a couple of them as a reporter any any estimates who's going to pull it off this year?
2: <laughs> well i did see that the u.s just made it through um presumably by the time this this runs it it will be old news but they just keep staying two to one yeah so that's, that's good it sounds like they caught some breaks maybe in that match um so i don't know i uh hard hard, hard to predict it's certainly been very entertaining so far but and uh i guess i will say go usa like
0: there you go <laughs> i'll
1: echo that go usa
0: outstanding well thank you lisa and thank you ethan thank you so much for for putting this report out first and foremost. Uh, and then, of course, thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, John. It's a pleasure. And Ethan, thank you so much for doing this together.
2: Same, same here, back at you.
0: We'll have you back on to celebrate the next anniversary. And I'd like to to thank our, our producers, Carly Batten and Courtney Flynn for their hard work. And uh, you know, as always, challenge people to go to cleancapital.com to provide insights and ideas on future podcasts. Uh, We just uh, had our 50th podcast published this week while we're recording this, so we're making some good good progress. Look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for listening in today's conversation. Find more episodes on cleancapital.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to continuing our conversation on energy, innovation, and finance with you.